All right. Happy Monday. It is the day before the New Hampshire primary. We are in the live free or die state. We'll be broadcasting here today and tomorrow. And, well, we've got a couple of fun things that we're going to we've been working on that hopefully will come to fruition. And we'll know by nine o'clock Eastern tonight if, uh, in fact, we're able to pull off what I want to pull off. Might be very interesting. It is, uh, let's say, is it fair to say, Linda, quintessentially Hannity, right? Something only Hannity would do. I've only seen it once before. That's correct. But we're not going to say any more about it. Uh, 267 days, the ultimate jury, you, we, the American people, and I can report to you from New Hampshire today that it is an entire shift show all within the Democratic Party. They're now, they are now on the verge of beginning killing each other. Although I tried to watch the debate. When was it on? Saturday night on ABC? It was so dull, dry, boring, idiotic. Oh, it was pathetic. I, I, I could not put up. I can't watch it. it was, I tried. I sat there. I mean, I'm, I'm actually going back and forth, and I'm thinking, how do you want to be elected president with the things that you're advocating for? I mean, because what they're advocating for are really dangerous things for the country. Um, and I'll give you one example, you know, Warren, we should work with our allies, get this in managing terrorism, managing terror. How do you manage terrorism? It's like, remember that spokesperson, I forget, from the Obama state department or something that said, oh no, no, we, we have a jobs for jihadis program. I have a job for jihadis. You stay right where you are at Baghdad airport. And we'll track you and then we'll destroy you if you're a terrorist. What is jobs for jihad? What, what do you mean managing terrorism? What did the 9-11 commission report say? They are at war with us. We weren't at war with them. And then you can't even make this up because then you got Bernie Sanders literally saying that not only will I raise your taxes, but my insane program for the new Green Deal. Well, I, I admit that it's going to lose jobs. It's going to lose jobs. We're going to lose. Oh, there's a well, I'm going to I'm going to confiscate 95 cents out of every dollar you make. And then I'm going to redistribute it. And then I'm going to put a, a new green deal in place. And then we're going to have a wealth tax. And then we're going to kill jobs. That's a great raise taxes and kill jobs. I, I can't think of a better platform to run on if you want to be president of the United States. I will tell you that a part of this is so entertaining because they're so dumb. A part of this is so entertaining. I want to laugh. But then I begin to realize, oh, my gosh, what if these people win? We're done. We're doomed. We're in the live free or die state. No, live free, nothing. You're going to live as we tell you, where we tell you. We're going to take over. They're talking about taking over the energy industry completely. I mean, no private enterprise. Well, what is the definition of socialism? And I, I, I have to buy my Democratic friends an abacus. Remember what an abacus is when you first learned about math? You don't remember what an abacus is? Abac you know, when you like count one, two, and you move the little the beads on the string or whatever that thing is. Well, we actually have calculators now. If you own an iPhone, you have a calculator and you can use a calculator. That's why I never understood. What is the need to learn any more math if I have a calculator? Calculator can calculate it for me as long as I know how to teach me how to use the calculator. And I don't need to learn any math from these, sit through these boring, you know, oh, some of those math classes. Oh, forget it. Algebra, calculus. 
I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm using that every single day of my life. Calculus. I'm calculating everything. I'm calculating how much uh, the bonuses are for everybody on my team. I have to calculate how high it is every year, depending on what 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 people. Why are you why are you pacing back and forth like that? What is wrong with you? Do you do this during every monologue? What are you doing over there? And what is that bag of crap salami? First of all, it's it's a healthy snack. It's stinking up the entire studio <laughs> no, that we it's have not. here. It's healthy salami if there is such a thing. It's healthy all, salami. It's 150 calories. Oh, uh, for a piece? For 15 pieces. For 15 pieces. So it's worth it to me. It's worth it to me. It fulfills me. Okay, even if it's stink, it's a stench in here. Well, Salami stench. You know what? I'm in a room with five men, so I think it's debatable oh on gosh. what stinks in here. All right. Now, when you think things... Now, remember, the $94 trillion... Uh, it's so hard, because I guess we get used to millions and billions, and then there's trillions. Now, you need a big, 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 big abacus if you're ever going to start counting trillions, right? Okay. Or a calculator. Start writing in your calculator. 94 trillion. And then I want you to say plus 52 trillion. That would be Medicare for all. Then we bring in around four, four and a half uh, billion. I'm sorry, trillion a year. All right. Now, they're planning on spending 94 trillion and 52 trillion in 10 years. That does not add up to, even if we brought in $5 trillion a year for 10 years, that's $50 trillion. That still wouldn't pay for Medicare for all. And that means no defense. That means no food stamps. That means no roads. That means no infrastructure. That means nothing else. Let me put it this way. It is a mathematic impossibility. Just like Obamacare was never going to be keep your doctor plan and save on average per family $2,500 a year. It was never mathematically possible. And there were a few of us, <coughs> like me, warning that that was the impossible dream. And as bad as that has turned out to be, what they're now proposing is even worse. And then I'm watching these idiots running for office. And I can't believe this is now the third time quid pro quo Joe is, is being rude and mean to people that are supposedly he's courting to vote for him. He, I'm not making this up. You're thinking, Hannity, you've got to be making this crap up. No, I'm not making this up. I don't make stuff up. I'm not CNN fake news. I'm not, I'm not the conspiracy theory TV. Oh, one other thing. Guess what Democrats are talking about now? Well, we're gonna, I think we're going to go back to this Ukrainian issue. I think we want to. I want to blow my brains out. I really live free or die. I think I'd rather die at this point if I have to watch this. Another uh, Mueller. Yes, impeach, impeach, impeach. Russia, Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine. I don't think I can take it anymore. Anyway, I'm kidding, by the way. But um, <laughs> Biden literally calls a woman, a female New Hampshire voter. Get this. A lying dog face. You can't make it up. You think I'm making it up? Let's roll the audio tape. So you're arguably the candidate with the greatest advantage in this race. You've been the vice president. You weren't burdened down by the impeachment trials. So, or in the participation. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa? And why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, yeah. I was a Democratic caucus. There have been no caucus. No, Stop you it there. You're a lying dog. What do you, whoa, whoa, it's like Joe 30330. It meant nothing what he just said. 
What he said is gobbledygook. What he said is incoherent. What he said is spectacularly scary if he's ever the president. Go back, go back and play from the beginning. So you're arguably the candidate with the greatest advantage in this race. You've been the vice president. You weren't burdened down by the impeachment trials. So how, or in the participation. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa? And why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, one. I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? caucus? No, you haven't. Oh, you're a lying dog faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I was an Iowa caucus. He just said, Am I wrong? I was an Iowa caucus. I, I, Joe, quid, pro and quo. You're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor that is investigating my zero experience son. No, you know. But of course, how, how outrageous we are. Uh, a, a lying dog face. Pony soldier. What does a lying dog face pony soldier mean? What does that mean? I mean, this this is supposed to be their lead guy. Now, then we got Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete, the big winner out of the Iowa, out of I was an Iowa caucus. So I guess Mayor Pete, the big winner of the Joe Biden, considering he was the Iowa caucus. Anyway, guess what this idiot says? Mayor Pete. And Oh, and talk to the people of South Bend, Indiana. This guy is not particularly well liked in South Bend, Indiana, uh, and he hasn't exactly done a good job. I did see the exchange. Um, why is it that your administration tend to arrest uh, by a dramatic margin more African-Americans uh, uh, for smoking weed and drugs and all of that? Yes, I know that's true. I'm like, oh, why'd you do it then? Well, anyway, now he's want to take his now surging in the polls, trying to beat crazy Bernie and quid pro quo Joe. But the Democrats, well, they may not want a 77 to 78 year old Biden or Bloomberg or Biden. I think between the three of them, they're 5000 years old. <laughs> I, I mean, they're just it's like the new face of the Democratic Party is Mayor Pete. Anyway, so he goes on uh, Sunday and I guess he's on with Chris Wallace. <laughs> and, and he goes, Mayor, not only do you want to decriminalize marijuana, you want to decriminalize all drug possession. You say the, the better answer is treatment, not incarceration. Isn't the fact that it's illegal to have to p possess meth, heroin, uh, doesn't that at least in some way, the fact that it's illegal, an illegal act uh, as some deterrent in trying it in the first place? This guy wants to legalize heroin. Like, let me let me explain, Mayor Pete, what you may be too dumb to know. You get addicted to this crap and you die. The odds of you getting off this crap are like 10 to 15 percent. And that's if like you have really rich friends that keep sending you to rehab again and again and again and again and again. This is not a good plan. And nor do I really because we can see it one mile away from Nancy Pelosi's million dollar gated community where all these people that are shooting up heroin are literally defecating in the streets and urinating in the streets and needles are all over the place in the streets. One mile in one direction, her million dollar home, millions of dollars, and then the other direction, her office. You would think she'd go to all of her gated community millionaire friends and say, hey, why don't we build a shelter? Now, Bernie Sanders is refusing to disavow his past support 
for a maximum wage cap. Oh, well, that's going to really be productive. So let me see. He now says in 1974, he wanted 100% cap on income above a million a year. Okay, so if somebody reaches their cap, let's say by February, they're going to stop working. Why would they work if you're going to steal it from them? Why? So you can go out there, Bernie, and uh, what are you going to spend the money on? Losing jobs. How do we know? You said you're going to lose jobs. Raise taxes, wealth taxes, confiscate taxes. You know, all of this is at some point they're legalizing stealing because what the government is saying is that we don't live free. This is the live free dice. You're not going to live free. You're going to live to work for your government. And then they're going to come in and legalize stealing everything you got. And then after you after you've paid all your taxes, they want another bite at the apple. That's the wealth tax. And then if you're lucky enough to have anything left when you die, then they're going to come back and take another 40 percent nationally. If you're in New York and New York City, another 13 percent. That's the third bite of the apple. How much at what point do people say enough is enough and they don't want to live in that country because it's no longer free because you're paying. Literally, they'll take the gold out of your teeth when you get into your grave to pay your estate taxes. It's unbelievable. Oh, and Bernie is now reneged on a promise to release his medical records. Whoopsie daisy. Must be bad in there. Um, There is such discord and disarray here. It is unbelievable. So you're arguably the candidate with the greatest advantage in this race. You've been the vice president. You weren't burdened down by the impeachment trials. So, or in the participation. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa? And why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. question. Number one, I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay, be honest with me. What they're trying to say now is, oh, no, he's saying this from a a John Wayne movie. Apparently, I guess he originally suggested Biden had used the line before and it's a reference to Hondo, which was a John Wayne movie. You know, it was a big John Wayne fan. Well, I like John Wayne. I thought John Wayne was amazing. Uh, Mark Levin gets a lot of John Wayne. He loves those, um, you know, memorabilia stuff. He, he's into that. Anyway, now others are suggesting it was from another movie called Pony Soldier. And I just don't know what it is. Um, anyway, we're in New Hampshire. It is basically Donald Trump's dream scenario, and that is a total shift show, if you will, with the Democratic primary. It's that bad. Democrats are even now talking about a brokered convention. There's a lot of maneuverings going on. A cheat Bernie will have all the details and Vice President Mike Pence coming up from the live free or die state of New Hampshire. It's the Sean Hannity show at 25 to the top of the hour. We are in the live free or die state. We'll be here today. We'll be here tomorrow. And everybody's asking, okay, what's the secret plan? Well, I can't tell you. I mean, I might know by whether we can pull it off by TV time tonight. We'll be doing the TV show here from uh, the great state of New Hampshire. It is beautiful up here. Love the state. Uh, so, I took uh, uh, my buddy Sensei uh, over to lunch today. I bought him a lunch. And so I just said to the person that's working there, I said, um, oh, so a lot, of, lot going on, obviously, with the primary going on. Yeah. This was not a happy camper. 
And I said, well, uh, do you know who you're voting for yet? Not that guy in there. And she starts railing. I'm like, so I started saying, oh, but he's created 8 million new jobs. And I, I, I'm really happy that our fellow Americans are working. You're not happy about that? Was, was this before or after you got your food? <laughs> it was before. Oh, yeah, that was really, that man. Was really, you were in food service. What's man, wrong man, with you? Well, it was the worst, by the way, service in the history. It took an hour to get a, a stupid sandwich. Yeah, well, there was a lot of spit to get in there. Come a, on a, a now. Of, uh, What's the matter with you? No, you shouldn't say that because you know what happened that time I went to dinner with Neil Bortz. I do know what happened. Down in, That was not a good day of my life. Listen, I, I worked in a kitchen, my friend. I've yeah. seen a lot of things. Okay. So, um, and she goes, yeah, well, he lost 770 million others. Okay. I literally said that. I said, he did? He really lost 770 million other jobs? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. Boop, 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 boop. You know, it's just like. That should have been your cue to go to the mini mart and buy a packaged food. Oh, guess what? So let's go back and play Biden because now the woman, she's a 21-year-old student, has now responded about how she feels about quid pro quo Joe Uh calling her a, a liar and a, a dog face. Well, listen. So you're arguably the candidate with the greatest advantage in this race. You've been the vice president. You weren't burdened down by the impeachment trials. So, or in the participation. So how do you explain the performance in Iowa? And why should the voters believe that you can win the national election? It's a good question. Number one, one. I was a Democratic caucus. I was a member of caucus. caucus. No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I was a Democratic caucus. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? I was a Democratic caucus. Anyway, you're a liar, dog-faced uh, uh, pony soldier. Now the Biden campaign is like spinning. How do we get him out? Well, it might have been a line in a John Wayne movie in 1952. Well, there's something really relatable for the young demos that are going to try and get out there and vote. Well, it's a 21-year-old woman he did this to. And the Daily Mail got in touch with her. She's an economics student. but And the question was fair. You got your ass kicked in Iowa. I am a Democratic caucus what, what, how do you find yourself electable after coming in fourth when you were supposed to be the front runner? That's a fair question. 21-year-old economic student at Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, and says that after quid pro quo Joe called her a lying dog-faced pony soldier, she felt, quote, humiliated by the experience. She complained it's insulting to see people trying to minimize the former vice president's remark as a joke. I agree with her. And I think she's right. Uh, it was kind of humiliating to be called a liar on national TV by a former vice president. Instead of answering the question straightforward, his immediate response was a, a, an attempt to invalidate me by exposing my inexperience. And she goes, I'm a 21-year-old college student. Like, uh, what the hell do I know? Meaning that's how she's treating him. I don't blame her. Good for her. So I guess if I ask Joe a question, I wonder if he's going to say that to me. Quid pro quo, Joe. Now Mayor Pete wants to legalize heroin. Wow. Bernie Sanders refuses to disavow his past support for a maximum wage. Oh, you know, nobody likes when I say this, but it's true. I have never in my life gotten a job from a poor person. Never. 
Now, all the jobs I've had, the people that own the newspapers when I was eight years old delivering newspapers, they had to have money. They weren't poor people. When I washed dishes in a restaurant, when I was a cook in a restaurant, a busboy in a restaurant, when I was a waiter and bartender in a restaurant, when I was a house painting contractor, when I hung wallpaper, former construction worker and hack like me, as Alec Baldwin, the failed talk show host says, when I, when I did all of these, when I laid tile, when I did renovation, when I did roofing, when I did framing, I did all of that. That's two decades of my life. This is not like, oh, I was a bartender one day. Did it for a lot of time, a lot of, ever since I was growing up, I worked. And I never got a job. I never got hired to paint somebody's house who was poor. Because if you're poor, by definition, you can't pay for somebody to paint your house. That's just a fact. And the same with any type of construction. And usually, if you work in a restaurant, the owner of the restaurant had to pay a lot of money to build the bar and to, you know, build the decor of the restaurant and to build the kitchen and buy the kitchen equipment and turn the lights on and then hire the chef and hire the assistant chefs and hire the dishwashers and then hire the waiters and the bartenders and hire the custodian at night that's going to clean the place up. And then you charge $19 for a meal or $16 or $14.99. The restaurant business is brutal. I never got a job from a poor person. So if somebody's getting richer and richer, that means they're going to create more and more jobs. Why do we have to somehow, or why are they, they creating this divide within the, amongst the American people as if that's a bad thing? And why does Bernie feel like after they already take 60, 65 cents out of every dollar I make, then they want to come back. If I happen to save any of what I, what was remaining now, they want to, retroactively really go back and tax it again. That's what a wealth tax is. Well, you save too much money. Now you owe it to us. Well, that's stealing. I don't care what you can, you can put all the nice little verbiage you want around it, wrap it in a nice pack and put a bow on it, but you're legalized stealing money that is we've already paid taxes on. And then when you die, they want to steal more. They call it a death tax. What does that mean? You pay to die. They want now, if you saved any money, they want, well, you have no right to give it to your children. Why not? I want to give it to my, what if I want to give it to the cancer society? What if I want to give it to uh, create a scholarship fund for somebody? It's not your money anymore. I paid my taxes. Every other American's paid their taxes. And if somebody gets to save on top of it, guess what? That means they're not going to be dependent on government for anything when they get older because they've been smart enough and wise enough to put enough money away for their retirement. That means I won't be dependent on the state. Um, Politico had an interesting piece out today that the president's dream scenario is unfolding and all this disarray. I mean, it is a shift show. It really is. And, you know, they don't know who to put their support behind. I think between Bloomberg, Biden and Sanders, I think we're looking at like 500 years worth of experience, maybe more. I don't know. Um, and now they're also going after each other. There was a piece in The Hill today. Carl Rove was the first to say it. Newt Gingrich was second, on the, both on this program. Uh, Carl, in his column in the Wall Street Journal, that there could be a real brokered convention. That would be entertainment like you've never seen before. Why do you think all of a sudden they're trying to change the rules so that Bloomberg, who's buying his way into everything, that Bloomberg would himself now be able to get in even though he doesn't have any donors except for Bloomberg. Bloomberg's, the Bloomberg is running like a, a propaganda campaign. Mike can get it done. Mike who? Bloomberg. Oh, the guy that, you know, for 12 years supported Stop and Frisk. And then well, how many years has he been out of office now? Five, six? 
All right, so that's uh, 18 years he supported stop and frisk. He runs for president. He has some advisor come in and say, yeah, that's not going to go over well with certain identity politic groups in the Democratic Party. Act like you're really sad and you didn't mean it for 18 years and start tearing up when you say I made a mistake. Because that's what he's doing. And that is exactly why people like Donald Trump, because he's not full of it. He's being brutally honest about who he is, what he believes. And these people are just a bunch of phonies. Now, the president is actually coming up to New Hampshire where we're broadcasting today. And I don't know. Apparently, according to this piece in the Manchester Union leader, most, most of Joe Biden's rallies, you know, you can fit the people in a phone booth. I mean, that's they don't break 100. He's not getting 100 people. And then every time he has a rally, he's get he, he's get he's arguing with people that he's trying to get to vote for him. That's brilliant. Why don't you answer the 21 year old girl, girl's question? Why do you have to be insulting to her? Really? That you're going to call a 21 year old girl a lying dog face pony soldier. OK, well, something. Listen, if I said what I really think, I am telling you these people, they're losing it. You know, Adam Schiff saying, what if Donald Trump decides to give Alaska to Russia so Russia will help him in the 2020 election? What if he decides to move to Mar-a-Lago and he wants to live in Mar-a-Lago and let Jared Kushner choose which wars to put the country in? These people are loose. Then watching, it was to think back to the State of the Union, Nancy Pelosi preparing a little papers for her predetermined rip at the end of the president's speech and then mumbling seemingly to herself. It looked like to me, I didn't think she didn't look like she was communicating when I saw the mumbling going on. I didn't, I don't, maybe she was having problems. I don't know if she wears dentures or not, but it seems something weird was going on there. Did you see the mumbling? She's mumbling. <laughs> she was doing and then the, uh, And then looking everywhere else except, you know, just like. Did you see her when she gave the, she was like pointing like to, to like a petulant child, like, no, you sit down, you sit down. And she's mumbling behind. It's great. Here's an interesting point, though, from the Manchester Union. Uh, now, the vice president will join us at the top of the next hour and uh, Mike Pence. But anyway, they're going to be here and they're going to be at the Southern New Hampshire University Arena. And Trump's last campaign visit to the Granite State was August 15th when he set the arena attendance record of 11,500, surpassing the crowd of 11,400 that Elton John had set before. Elton John sells out, I would imagine, almost every show, right? All of his shows sell out. And he's still performing at a magnificent level. I know because I, I saw him play not that long ago. Unbelievable artist. I mean, an incredible show that he puts on. It's just fun. Um, so we have, the, this is the backdrop of what's happening here. Now everyone's saying there might be a brokered convention. If you want poll numbers, Sanders is leading in New Hampshire the day before the primary, uh, at least according to one poll, you got a, a let's see, uh, bu -bu 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 oh, Amy Klobuchar showed a slight rise in third place. That means Biden's headed for another fourth place finish at least. And so you got Bernie Buddha Judge, Amy Klobuchar, and then quid pro quo Joe. That's not looking good for Joe. Iowa Democratic Party is now awarded Buddha Judge, 14 delegates, Sanders 12. And now Democrats are talking about getting rid of the caucus. I would, I believe in tradition. I don't think they should. Uh, why are you going to treat Iowa that way? Iowa's always had first in the nation caucus 
first in the nation primary, New Hampshire. Uh, you could say maybe, look, I like history. I like doing things the way it's always been done. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Um, then we have, there appears to be more problems than the Hillary Clinton associated app. Buddha judge holds the largest democratic rally in New Hampshire because 1800 people showed up 1800. That's like, wow. Warren has ramped up Buddha judge hits. So she's fighting Buddha judge in this battle now because she's thinking, I guess, I don't know. Biden launched a brutal ad campaign mocking Mayor Pete uh, and his experience. And Pete's campaign is not happy about it. And uh, anyway, the ad comes at a time when Biden's status as the so-called front runner. He's declining and rather precipitously. And so he's comparing Buttigieg. His ad swipes at Buttigieg's record or lack of experience at a South Bend, Indiana, with a population of just over 100,000. And then a bunch of backhanded compliments and the narrator praises Biden's record and then offers praise for Buttigieg. But anyway, the ad comes and it says when Obama called on him, Joe Biden helped lead the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Oh, the one that we were supposed to keep our plans and doctors. And 40 percent of America now has one option on the Obamacare exchange one. And everybody we were supposed to save twenty five hundred dollars per family per year. Yeah, we're now paying 200 percent on average more. That's what you're going to brag about. Good luck with that. Buttigieg was confronted on the spike in minority drug arrest during the time as mayor during that ABC uh, so-called debate over the weekend. It was a snooze fest. Uh, Looks like the Oscars last night has now hit another record low. I I was watching it and I was texting with some friends. I I said it's going to be the lowest rated ever. No one can watch this. First, I was watching the pregame Oscars. Now, maybe I'm getting old, but I didn't know anybody. I'm like, I'm watching all these people go through the red carpet. I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know you. I've never heard of you. And the ones that I do, oh, Brad Pitt, you know, turned out to be a dumb jackass with his comments. You know, knows nothing about the Constitution. Uh, and he thinks he's a genius, and he's not. Uh, but anyway, it was, there was a big confrontation on the spike of minority, minority drug arrests when he was mayor in South Bend. Klobuchar is now going after Buddha Judge. We have a newcomer in the White House, and... Look where it got us, meaning I've got experience. Biden uh, advisors saying Buttigieg won't be ready on day one. Uh, you got Biden in New Hampshire calling the student the lying dog-faced pony soldier. I don't think you can beat that. Oh, and Bernie Sanders said he's not a communist. And Warren did say, oh, we don't want billionaires donating to campaigns, except I'll take Bloomberg's money if he gives it to me. More hypocrisy. Oh, and she got caught. Did you see her slinking away from getting uh, out of the private jet? And the number one jet user is Bernie. Yeah, so they're battling who's using the private jet the most. We're in the live free or die state. Glad you're with us uh, in the lead up to tomorrow's uh, big uh, primary here in New Hampshire. I just looked at the pictures and the videos uh, online. A friend of mine sent me some from Twitter. The lines for the president are, you know, down around the block, wrapped around like 14 times. So it's going to be, in other words, an average Trump rally, which is hilarious. Biden can barely get 100 people at any of uh, his rallies. It is not going over well what he said to this young 21-year-old woman. I can tell you that. Um, The woman has now said she felt humiliated after uh, quid pro quo Joe attacked her as a 
a lying dog face pony soldier. I mean, where did that? Uh, what is that? She said it was insulting. It was humiliating to be called a liar on national TV by a former vice president. Instead of answering the question, uh, his immediate response was to attempt to invalidate me by exposing my inexperience. And she added, I am a 21 year old college student. Like, what the hell do I know? And who cares who I am or what my experience is How about just answer the question? And her question was legitimate. Uh, the vice president, Mike Pence, will be coming up to New Hampshire with the president today. And uh, I guess they'll be leaving fairly shortly. I think it's at 7, 730, the rally tonight. And he joins us now. Mr. Vice President, how are you, sir? Hey, Sean Hannity. Great to be with you. In fact, I already am in New Hampshire. Uh, we just oh, I'm had sorry. I didn't know you came. I didn't know that. I apologize. No. Yeah, no worries. We're on the bus. We're going to meet up with the president of Manchester tonight. And I got to tell you that. The enthusiasm on the ground uh, for President Donald Trump uh, for an agenda that's made America great again. And we think it, we think it's going to carry us to a victory in New Hampshire in November and a victory all across this country for four more years. You know, we watched the Iowa caucus debacle for the Democrats last week. But the untold story, especially by the media mob, as I call them, uh, I'll let you use whatever term of endearment you prefer, Mr. Vice President. I know the president likes the term fake news, and it mostly is fake news. But the untold story in Iowa was how many people it was an uncontested primary for the president. And they sh the Republicans were showing up in record numbers in Iowa. Uh, Sean, it was a record turnout. Uh, and essentially, the president was uncontested. He got more than 97 percent of the vote in our caucus. And contrast that. For all the attention they're receiving to the Democrat caucus, which, of course, took them a week to figure out uh, these are the people that want to run your health care um, that uh, can't even run a caucus. But, you know, the, the contrast was they were expecting a record turnout and they were way off of their projections as well. And I'm traveling today with Governor Chris Sununu here in New Hampshire, and uh, we're projecting over 100,000 people are going to turn out to vote in the primary. Uh, for President Donald Trump tomorrow in the first in the first in the nation state. And uh, uh, I, I just have to tell you, I mean, the, the, the choice in this election, I think, has never been clearer. The stakes have never been higher. And, and the more people hear from these Democrat candidates, I have to tell you, to me, it's really coming down uh, to a choice between freedom and socialism. Uh, and and here in the here in the the. Uh, that live free or die state, as New Hampshire is known, uh, this election by November may just be, you know, a choice between live free or don't. And we're going to we're going to carry that message everywhere we can. And uh, I, I just think it's shaping up to be a great, great day for the uh, president tomorrow. It'll be a great rally tonight, and it's setting the stage for a great victory in November. What a week it was last week. I, I've watched a lot of States of the Union uh, over the years. Uh, we've known each other, you know, a couple of decades now, and I've known the president over a couple of decades. Yeah. I thought it was the best uh, State of the Union that I had watched in my life. Not only did the president read off record after record after record after record, uh, then he talked about the killing of Baghdadi and associates, defeating the caliphate in Syria, uh, taking out uh, Iran's number one state sponsor of terror, the guy that was leading all the terror proxy wars around the world, Soleimani. Uh, there were very emotional moments during the State of the Union address, and 
Um, I, and I, I, I looked at that, then this acquittal for this latest witch hunt. What was your reaction to last week? Even Bill Maher said it was the best week the president's had. Well, it was just an incredible week. That, that strong affirmation in Iowa, the historic uh, State of the Union address that, you know, the president really made it about the progress this country has made under his leadership in the last three years, Sean. But he also made it about the American people. I mean, those stories, and I saw you talking about it on television, the stories, the the guests in the gallery was just so inspiring. And contrast that at the end of his speech, Nancy Pelosi tried to make it about her uh, by literally ripping up uh, a copy of the president's speech next to well, me. Uh, it, it was. was by, by, by the way, did you notice during the speech, because we actually went back, I did not myself notice it at the time, although I've got to be honest, watching on TV, you know, she, I mean, she was kind of like mumbling to herself, distracted, looking everywhere. But later when we went back, she was putting like little baby rips in the papers, I guess, preparing for the show at the end of the president's speech, which tells me that this was all an act and this was all for the cameras. Did you see that happening during the speech yourself? No, I, I certainly saw the mutterings. She was leaning over talking to me throughout the speech. I was totally focused on the president, on his message, on their incredible response, uh, at least in half of the attendees in Congress and and the gallery was just completely enthralled with the president's uh, the president's State of the Union address. But uh, no, I, I actually uh, I, I, my feeling was is that it had to be pre-planned because it happened so quickly. I literally didn't see her tear the speech up. Uh, you know, I was standing. I actually, applauded, I, I, I'm offering a reward. Yeah. I want to buy that torn up speech. Do you, do you happen to know who has it? I want that. I'll pay for it. <laughs> I want to buy it, and I want to get. And one day the president can sign it and put it in his library somewhere. <laughs> well, well, think about the contrast there. That incredible State of the Union address, and then the next day, uh, the United States Senate clears the president on all charges. And uh, as I said to the cops for Trump rally here in New Hampshire today, uh, President Donald Trump has been acquitted forever. Uh, and it's over. It's behind us. And now we're, we're able just to put the hammer down, take the message all across the country. And, and I, but I got to tell you, I honestly believe this, not just the impeachment, but literally three years of endless investigations culminating in their partisan impeachment. I think it's backfired on the Democrats. Because they, the American people are are grateful for the leadership this president's provided. You've celebrated it like no one else in the media, Sean. So I, I don't have to tell you all that he's done for our military, for our economy, for our courts, for our standing in the world. But people know that he's accomplished all of that in the midst of unjust and unprecedented opposition, and it's generated a level of enthusiasm. Frankly, it's very. It feels very similar out here on the road. Uh, to how it felt in the in the you know the the fall just before the 2016 election, there's an incredible enthusiasm across the country, and I think it's only going to build in November in 2020 when we get four more years for President Donald Trump in the White House. I've listed many times, both on radio and television, the president's promises made, the promises kept. Uh, I'm extremely happy that we have nearly 8 million of our fellow Americans no longer in need of food stamps and millions out of poverty and almost 8 million new jobs. Uh, endless burdensome regulation is gone. He made all the trade deal that, 
deals that he was going to promise, uh, ending burdensome regulation, cutting taxes. Um, let me ask you this, because after three yeah. years of never ending, frankly, psychosis, rage, derangement, whatever, whatever adjectives you prefer to use, I can't really think of anything that the Democrats have done for the people that have elected them that they're supposed to serve. They're supposed to be public servants. And I can't in my mind, I, I believe that that is going to be result in, in a good result. It's not going to bear them results because I, I, I think that at this point, people see they just hate this guy. Why do you think that is? Uh, it, I don't know, Sean, to be honest with you. I served, you and I met when I was serving in Congress. And I don't recognize this Democratic Party. I mean, the Democratic Party today has literally been taken over by radical leftists. Um, and, you know, we, we see we see that the, those voices, those prominent voices in their party, you know, the free health care for illegal immigrants, uh, open borders, late term abortion. Uh, I mean, literally to, to see on stage none of the front runners in the Democratic Party said they had any objection to having a socialist candidate lead their ticket in the last debate. It's just. It's, it just really is remarkable. But I think it's the reason why you see more and more people um, coming our way. More and more people see that this president against, uh, as I, I just a level of opposition I ever witnessed in my lifetime. And yet, you know him well. Uh, he turned his face like flint against the wind in the last three years and just delivered day in and day out to the American people. I was with cops for Trump. We picked up the endorsement of the the New England Police Benevolent Association today. They endorsed the president four years ago and just endorsed the ticket again today. And it's because they have in this president someone who has stood by law enforcement. And when you see what happened in New York City uh, with the two police officers and what, what happened in Arkansas today, and the American people just know they've got a president who stood with our military, stood with law enforcement, stood for law and order, has a growing economy, has stood up for our Constitution with conservative appointments to our courts, and contrast that with the, literally, to your point, Sean, an empty record on the other side. All their record is is a record of opposition, mindless resistance. And it's one of the reasons why I really believe we're not only going to get four more years of President Donald Trump in the White House, uh, but I truly do believe that we're going we're gonna to elect Republican majorities uh, not only reelected to the Senate, but I think we're going to have a new Republican majority in the United States House of Representatives. And Nancy Pelosi is going to be the last Democrat Speaker of the House to sit behind this president or any president for a long time. Well, th that is the one way, if you want the endless conspiracy theories, the hoaxes, the, the never-ending investigations, the one way to end it would be to elect Republicans in the House and Senate. Uh, and probably I don't think Joe Biden has a particularly good shot calling 21 year old women lying dog faced pony soldiers. Let me ask you about um, and I've known both of you for over a couple of decades. You have very distinct and different personalities on the one hand. On the other hand, because I've I've been around you both, you guys are are together all the time. You are in this together um, if you if you had to describe your personal relationship with the president, how would you do it? Well, we've, we've gotten to be very close over the last four years. You know, unlike you, I, I really didn't know the president uh, much before he asked me to join the ticket. But 
to your point, we campaigned together in 2016, and then literally, we literally have served day in and day out uh, together. And, and uh, uh, look, our, our style... I, I don't think most people realize you, you are with him almost all the time. I mean, yeah. you guys work together. I mean, you're in the White House every day, as I understand it, and every time I've been there for hours. Yeah, I think, you know, the president and I, depending on it, we're both at the White House, which is much of the time... Uh, we usually spend four or five hours a day together, uh, you know, whether it's a meeting in the Situation Room, in the Oval Office, whether it's various events, meeting with America's governors today. White House rolled out the new budget uh, today. Um, uh, the president, uh, when, when he asked me to join the ticket, he told me he wanted he wanted to have an active vice president. And uh, uh, I can tell you that's a promise made, promise kept. <laughs> he is, he is, uh, he's put me to work, whether it be on Capitol Hill, traveling around the country as we are now, uh, helping to push his trade agenda, the USMCA. And, and I got to tell you, it's the greatest privilege of my life because uh, uh, I, I just believe in this president. I believe in his vision for this country. And to have been some small part of what we've been able to do in the last three years, making America great again, it's the greatest greatest uh, privilege I've ever had, Sean. Well, we're, we're safer, we're more secure, thank God. Promises have been made and kept, and our fellow Americans are experiencing a, a renaissance and economic growth and job growth, and I want it to continue for our you know, entire American family. As the president closes out his rallies, we are one glorious nation under God, and we're one American family, and we all want to prosper together. Mr. Vice President, uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. As always, thank you for your time. Sean, uh, always great to be on with you, and especially today from New Hampshire. It's going to be a great night. So basically what happened was, like, the first day we were quarantined, they were on our way back to the Yokohama port, and they said, when we're going to be in the sea, we're going to be right docked outside, and they're going to have uh, tender boats have doctors come on and, I guess, test us. They only tested our temperature, and we were fine. But the problem with that was they did it through a thermometer in your ear. And, like, I don't know, I'm from the United States, and when we go get checkups and they check your thermometer, with a thermometer, it's with a disposable tip. Right. They did not have that. And it was 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. I was half asleep. They put it in my ear, wiped it off of a cotton uh, cloth, and then stuck it in my wife's ear, and it went on to the next room. And yeah. there was only those people who did the whole ship, which to me well, isn't very sanitary. I do get asked by many, many people now about this coronavirus and what's going on as it is unfolding in China. Because, look, you take a look. There was apparently a hack of some kind or some type of, of computer breach that apparently shows that this is much bigger than anybody ever thought. Uh, reports that people in China are being arrested, that there's a mass arrest of suspected virus patients. Um, you got more quarantine centers that are set up at some of the uh, military bases uh, throughout the country. Hundreds of businesses are seeking money and loans. You got President Xi making a rare visit to meet with the patients and medics. And then you've got, you know, you got a lot of fear. Um, is it warranted? You have, quote, super spreaders. You have uh, a lockdown uh, in certain areas. People have been confined to their homes, according to reports. Uh, we now that there are another a number of cases outside of China, which may be the tip of the iceberg, according to an article that was uh, put out by Reuters. 
And that is people across China have trickled back to work Monday. Um, Anyways, the government is easing restrictions imposed to counter the coronavirus. Clearly, I don't think they responded quickly or expeditiously. I think there was an effort to probably hide it from the world. Uh, We know that apparently this is an airborne virus, can be spread airborne. We know that you can also spread it during the incubation period where you don't even know, you don't have any symptoms yourself, you don't even know that you have it. Uh, It seems that it's impossible at this point to have any contact tracing, which would be a normal course of procedure. Um, But anyway, when I was interviewing the president during the Super Bowl, I spoke to him both on and off air whether or not the United States has offered China help. And he said, absolutely, we have. And we have our top people that are consulting. Uh, One such top person in all of this is Dr. Anthony Fauci. He is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Uh, He's advised now six presidents over the years on HIV and AIDS and and everything else. Uh, Dr. Fauci, how are you? We're very well, Sean. Thank you for being on the show. Look, I know you've done this. I've watched you over the years. You tend to be very, very chill. You you tend to be, you you tend to take a very broad look at at instances like this. I know there's a maybe instinctive way that people begin to panic. The numbers seem very large. Now, mortality rate is what, 4% now or so, 5%? 2%. Okay, lower than I thought. Um, Okay. All right. How do you see what's going on here? And do you feel that China now has stepped up to the level they need to get at to to contain this? Uh, Well, first of all, it's a very serious situation in China. Um, As you know, there are over 40,000 cases, almost all of which, with the exception of a couple of hundred, are in China. And as I mentioned, the death rate, the case fatality rate is 2%. So right now, they are doing some draconian things to try and prevent further spread, both within China and to countries outside of China. If you look at how pandemics evolve, it evolves when you have spread of infection with sustained transmission throughout the world. What we have in the non-China countries are mostly travel-related cases and a situation where those individuals are spreading it to others, but rarely in a sustained manner. Whereas in China, there's multiple generations of sustained transmission. So, you know, the short version, Sean, is that a very bad situation in China, the situation in the United States right now, although it could change, there's 12 cases, 10 of which are travel-related, and two of which are the spouses of two of those travel-related cases for a total of 12. It's been that way for a while. Hopefully, we don't see any more imported cases. But if this turns into a broader outbreak involving multiple, multiple countries, it's going to be very difficult to keep travel-related cases out. And that's where you have the danger. So that's the reason well, why. Well, uh, let me just say that the Reuters has said, Dr. Fauci, that the virus has now spread to at least 27 countries. You mentioned 12 cases in the U.S. Um, right. And based on official reports, infecting more than 330 people outside of China. Uh, the two deaths outside of mainland China were in Hong Kong and the Philippines. And the death toll from the outbreak has now surpassed that of another coronavirus, severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS, 
which brought a global epidemic in 2002 and three, which I know you were involved in at the time. That is correct. And, and what you're saying is exactly what I'm saying, Sean, is that these 27 other countries, they got seeded by people who traveled from Wuhan or other parts of China. The way this will be controlled, if we are successful in controlling it, is that in those cases that are travel-related, to do the kinds of things that we've done here, which is identify, isolate, and contact trace. So when you trace the contacts, if they're exposed, you can observe them. If they're sick, you can isolate them. That's what's going on. Whether that would be able to hold back the emergence of a real pandemic is unclear right now. We're just going to have to try our best and wait to see. Let me ask you, during the incubation period, people will not know they have even been infected with the virus. They apparently, they can pass it on. It's contagious even at that point. That's problematic, too, because there's a lag period between you even knowing that you might have been infected and you then have the possibility of infecting others, right? Right, right. Our Chinese colleagues, who are scientific colleagues, not policy people, who we communicate are telling us that that is occurring. Asymptomatic transmission is usually not the major driver of the outbreak, but apparently it is occurring in China. And as you said correctly, if that is the case, if it occurs to a significant extent, that really complicates things. But in general, with respiratory-borne viruses, although asymptomatic transmission can and does occur, it rarely is the primary driver of the outbreak. Last question. So for the average American that is watching this, that is concerned that this has gotten out of control and that this could spread much further and it could be a pandemic uh, of larger proportions, what do you say to the average American? And do you believe as a country we are doing enough with experts like yourself to help China in, in containing this? Well, a couple of things. First of all, right now, I would tell people that we are taking this very seriously and we're doing whatever we can to mitigate, namely to contain it and to prepare to actually mitigate it if it comes. Currently, the situation is under control in the United States and people, we say, should not fear in the sense because the risk currently is relatively low. But to be realistic, Sean, you have to say that that risk might change. So they need to pay attention to that. Regarding what we're doing for China, uh, philanthropic organizations in the United States have donated hundreds of millions of dollars. The U.S. government has donated officially $100 million. And we want to get our people in there so we can help and can observe it firsthand. Thus far, we've not been able to do that. Yeah. Well, I know the president said that he would make available to China he just signed an agreement with President Xi. Apparently, the relationship has been moving in a positive direction. Um, and uh, I know that uh, I think it's in the world's best interest to offer our experts and, and make them available. But a lot of times, countries that are closed off, like China, they're not so open to hearing from other countries and getting assistance. That's sometimes a problem. Right. The WHO will be sending a team there. We are just hoping that we will be included as part of that WHO team. Well, I trust you and I trust our guys more than anyone else in the world. I think we have the best scientists 
and I think the greater capability of getting a handle on this, and I would assume vaccines are being worked on even as we speak. Is that correct? That is correct. We're working on a vaccine. We predict and project that we will be doing a phase one trial for safety within about six, about eight weeks. Yeah. All right, Dr. Fauci, we wish you luck, and uh, please keep us updated if there are any new developments. We appreciate all the work you do every day. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Sean. 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Oh, I forgot to play this earlier. Joe Biden ripping. Oh, no, this and this cracks me up. Joe Biden is actually out there saying, oh, the past wasn't so bad under Biden-Obama. Yes, it was. Listen, remember, 13 million more Americans' food stamps, 8 million more poverty, lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. Hey, uh, quid pro quo Joe, wake up, read a newspaper. Uh, you were a disaster as vice president, and your partner was a disaster as president. Politics of the past, I think, were not all that bad. I wrote the Violence Against Women Act. I managed the $900 billion Recovery Act, which, in fact, put millions and millions of dollars into his city before he came and helped save his city. I was able to do it. I was able to pass the chemical weapons ban, arms control. And I was the first major leader holding public office to call for same-sex marriage. So I don't know what about the past of Barack Obama and Joe Biden was so bad. What happened? What is it that he wants to do away with? We were just beginning. It was just the beginning of what will be the future of moving this country beyond where it is now in significant ways. And there's ways to do that. And one of the ways to do that is to make sure you have someone who knows how to get things done and can lead the free world at the same time. And then you got this guy, Fareed Zakaria. I think he's on around when Humpty Dumpty is on his low rated show over there at uh, Fake News CNN. And, you know, he's on with Bill Maher. And even Bill Maher had to admit This is Trump's best week ever. It had to kill him to say that. So uh, what do you think of this week for Donald Trump? I thought it was his best week ever and the most depressing week for me as someone who's not a fan of Donald Trump and what he's doing to this country uh, was chilling. State of the Union, I was surprised. I thought I was watching BET. The whole thing (laughs) seemed geared toward winning the black voter, right? I mean, he had the little girl who is going to go to a charter school. He he called out the one black Republican senator, yes. Tim Scott. He had the Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airmen. Airmen. He cited a lot of stats about black unemployment yes. being better. All this stuff. Wow. The Democrats would, Democrats, like, their weak point is the South. They just write it off. They don't even try. Trump is like, what's my weak point? Blacks? I'm going to get them. Because it was a great week. Uh, But back to this, though. I'm telling you, what's the issue? These are no longer outlier polls. In the case of Van Jones, uh, yeah, you Democratic uh, uh, candidates out there, look at all these cities run by Democrats for decades. Uh, Yeah, the worst poverty, the most violence, drugs, affliction, that problems never solved. You don't believe me? Look at Chicago. We have 13 high schools in Baltimore not a single kid is proficient in reading or math. Or if you want, look at look at what's happening a mile away from Nancy Pelosi's multi-million dollar home. And look what's happening in Los Angeles. Here's what Van Jones said. I would accuse my party at this point of having engaged in three years of fantasy football politics mm. where we said, OK, don't worry, Trump is never going to be seated because the Electoral College will not seat him. Remember that? Oh, I do. Oh, oh don't worry. Bob Mueller 
is going to take him out of the White House in handcuffs. Remember that? I do. Oh, don't worry. He's going to be impeached and removed. Mm -hmm. Okay. now, after three years of all that fantasy football, guess what we have? Trump is still in the White House and we still don't have a candidate. And the way we've developed our issues may, may, may or may not even serve us. Had we spent the past three years accepting reality that a bunch of people who voted for Obama twice voted for Trump, Mm. hard to call them Nazis, Mm. and listened to them, in addition to our own constituencies, and figured out what they needed, we might be in a position to have Trump on the run. The reality is uh, all the the, the blood, sweat, and tears over impeachment, Bob Mueller, all that kind of stuff has not done anything to dent Trump. Trump is actually higher in the polls than he's ever been, and we still don't have a candidate. I got to take a quick break. We will come back and continue in our news roundup information overload hour at the top of the hour. Uh, Jordan Seculo is on the president's team, and he'll talk about the two Supreme Court cases and what is nothing but an endless witch hunts and fish, fishing expeditions to destroy Trump. Be right here for our final news roundup and information overload. We want to call Bolton. Uh... Is that a decision that's been finalized, you think? No. But you think it's, but you think it's likely that the subpoena will be issued to him? I think it's likely, yes. I think when you have a, a, uh, a lawless president, you have to bring that to, 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 uh, uh, to the fore. You have to spotlight that. You have to protect the Constitution, whatever the political consequences. But second of all, no. I mean, as, as more and more uh, lawlessness comes out, uh, I, I presume the public will, will, will understand that. Jerry Nadler was asked whether or not they're going to investigate again, and he gave an indication that they're, they're willing to, to pursue other avenues of investigation. Do you think this comes back? Um, they're crazy. If it perhaps comes back, in the next Bill, year? They're crazy. Do, you, do, you think it's, do you think they're crazy? Well, I'm hoping that the president has learned that, Mr. President, we are equal powers. We were designed differently than any other any other government, any now, other I understand nation. where you're going with that answer, but I'm asking you, yeah. uh, would you support your Democratic colleagues pursuing this again? No, absolutely not, unless the president continues and using rogue proxies such as Rudy Giuliani running around playing with foreign policy to the, for, from the election process. All right, it never seems to end, does it? 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, as we continue, we are in New Hampshire, by the way, spotted by some NBC people and lots of scowls on the streets of New Hampshire today. Um, we have a surprise thing that we're doing. We don't know how it's going to play out, but we're going to try. Um, it's just us doing what we do, our job. And um, I just suspect that there's going to be some people that might not like me doing my job. That, is that a fair description, Linda, of what do we have planned? But, Very fair. But we'll know by TV time at, at 9 Eastern tonight. All fair, right. fair and balanced. Uh, anyway, so as you can hear, you got House Judiciary Committee Chair, lawless president, lawless president. It's like they're a broken record. We are 267 days away from the ultimate jury, we the people, you the American people, and this is where we are. Let's start another investigation Oh, well, John Bolton may actually come out and say that the president said that he wasn't going to give Ukraine a penny unless Ukraine did this or announced they were going to do that. Well, the problem is the four facts never change, do they? Let's assume for a minute John Bolton is going to say that. I'm sure the president did at some point vent. What I'm discovering about Ukraine is it seems every single solitary thing about that country is corrupt at a very high level. But let's say all of that's true. 
Did the president do it or or are we now going to punish the president and his words that he says to his top advisors privately when he doesn't do anything? And all the while taking on the most breathtaking hypocrisy and a double standard, which is quid and pro and quo and Joe. And you're not getting a billion taxpayer dollars until you fire the prosecutor that is investigating my zero and I mean zero experienced son who's being paid millions. Let's forget that part. Just like we have Russia, Russia, Russia. Okay, Russia, 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 Russia. What about uh, the dirty Russian dossier that Hillary Clinton bought and paid for? Likely Russian disinformation from the get-go. Oh, we don't care about that. Obstruction matters. No, uh, but not Hillary's deleted emails and bleach bit and hammers. This is, this is a surreal world we're living in. Now, the best part is we are 267 days before Election Day, and there is nothing but utter and complete madness and chaos within the Democratic ranks. And, uh, you know, quid pro quo Joe is doesn't have a mind. He's very upset with voters. And what he said to this poor person earlier today, we'll play it. Uh, this was yesterday. Um, kind of encapsulates. This is now the third run in he's had with uh, people on the campaign trail. Uh, when you're out there asking people for their vote, it's not good when you say, go vote for some other guy or getting in some guy's face. Or when you say something like this to a, again, this is a, a female New Hampshire uh, voter in this particular case. And Joe Biden is out there suggesting, uh, well, ma'am, you're lying dog face. Here's what he said. So you're arguably the candidate with the greatest advantage in this race. You've been the vice president weren't burdened down by the impeachment trials so or in the participation so how do you explain the performance in iowa and why should the voters believe that you can win the national election it's a good question number one i was a democratic caucus you ever been to a caucus no you haven't you're a lying dog-faced pony soldier you said you were but you're, you're now you got to be honest i'm going to be honest with you a lying dog-faced pony soldier, whatever the hell that is. Jeez. <laughs> oh, anyway, Jordan Seculo uh, is with us. He was part of the president's defense team, executive director of American Center for Law and Justice. Uh, he, along with his dad, uh, really putting on, I think, the single best defense I'd seen. It was a slam dunk case. But, Jordan, they don't seem to ever want to stop, do they? No, they don't. I mean, I want to remind everybody listening, Sean, that we've got three Supreme Court cases next month, two coming out of the House of Representatives. So two are federal from the House uh, trying to get the president's uh, tax records, two different uh, Democrat-controlled committees. That case was combined into one, but it is considered separate. Then we've got another case that will be argued on the same day, the last day of March at the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, coming from the New York uh, local district attorney. There are 5,000 district attorneys, over 5,000 in the country, and if we allow a precedent that they can start criminal investigations into presidents or investigations into presidents, think about what that would do to the presidency while the, while, while the president is running the country. If all 5,000-plus of those DAs could open investigations whenever they wanted to, it's, it's absurd. So, yes, I mean, the presidential harassment, they're not just talking about is it going to continue. I'm telling your listeners right now, Sean. They are continuing it by by fighting it out in the Supreme Court to try and get records at the Congress. All right, so I want you to go into require. more de I want you to go into more details though as to why this matters. Because yeah. as you said, now well and within eight weeks now we're gonna have these cases come before the the courts. 
and the yeah. Supreme Court now. And if if that means that you've got some small time mayor of some city or a prosecutor or whatever right. or DA here, there, anywhere, and it happens to be anything, that th- this could be a never ending, nonstop, forever being on defense, uh, yep. attention grabbing and distracting the president from ever doing his job. And let me tell you something, Sean. Think about this way. President Trump has the resources to fight this, but most presidents, honestly, even ones that are fairly wealthy, would not. I mean, they, they would not be able to fight the constant legal barrage of, of becoming presidency. So Democrats love to talk about the fair process, and we don't want just, we don't want just billionaires and millionaires to be able to be the president. But if you allow these kind of standards, that's the only kind of people that could ever become president, certainly, because you would have to face this constant, what we've called, and presidents called presidential harassment from all levels. So whether it's these uh, phony kind of impeachment trials, and you've got to have attorneys for that, or whether it's Supreme Court cases and federal court, uh, that, uh, again, you've got to have your, your personal uh, attorneys representing you in, in your private capacity. So that's separate than the government. The government has come on our side, but we're, we're, we are doing the majority of the work. So the president is having to, again, have these legal teams do that. So Again, we'll, we'll fight aggressively for the president all the way, and we're proud and honored to do that. But none of this. Okay, be explain happening. the second case so everybody yeah. understands. That would be one is, oh, we want your tax returns. What do they want as yeah. tax returns? Because they want to go on a fishing expedition. Right. And hopefully. Right. And I, I and by the way, I would imagine so- any billionaire's tax returns are as complicated as all get out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the most fascinating thing every year around April 15th, they will give certain information to certain accounting firms and they'll say, okay, figure out the tax liability. And almost every year they come up with a different number, all the different yep. groups, because the, the laws are that complicated. So what it is, is a fishing expedition. So you're, the argument there is, hey, hang on a second. Presidents will never be able to do their job nor afford to be able to do their job if they have to hire lawyers and defend themselves in what could be never ending nonstop legal action to paralyze a, an administration, correct? Right. I mean, there's no law on the books that requires a president uh, releases tax returns. In fact, I think that, the fa- Sean, that the, the fact that the impeachment is over and the president's been acquitted actually hurts their case even more because they could make a stronger case that they needed records from the president during an impeachment trial. Once that's over, as it is now and the president's been acquitted, it becomes that much higher bar. So they have a higher bar to meet there. And then, of course, what is even more absurd is this district attorney issue. So any district attorney in the country that the president may touch, and you think about President Trump and the businesses he has and has started around the country, I mean, you, with the way that the interstate commerce laws works, that's about everybody, right? So if you've got angry district attorneys, they could just try and tie this president up in court. Now, what does that mean? Now, for President Trump, it means he's got good lawyers, he's got great legal teams, they handle it, he's continuing to run the country like he did during the impeachment trial. He got USMCA signed, phase one of China, finished out of Davos, the economy's going up, he gave the State of the Union address, and the Democrats were in disarray. But, I, but what we fear, too, is, and I, I think the president understands this as well, because you're setting precedent for the future as well. So if you can treat this president this way, other presidents will be treated this way. Same kind of argument we made in the impeachment trial. And you got this is very dangerous ground we're on if you allow local district attorneys to open up these cases of presidential harassment. When, for instance, President Trump has been doing business in New York uh, since he started in the business world, since he came out of uh, business school. And this is now the time they want to open up these investigations. 
when he's president of the United States. I mean, it's just very obvious. So these two combined, I think, are, are again, it's just a, I wanted to remind your audience that while they talk about will they continue to harass the president, let me just tell everybody, they are continuing to harass the president in court and using any legal Give us the, available. So those are the two cases him. now that he's going to face, correct? And and what do yeah. you see as the odds of of this now yeah. being brought back in the court? It sounds like the arguments are strong, constitutional, and solid. Yeah. But again, I mean, you have people on courts that are activist justices, and if sure. they just don't like Donald Trump, they'll probably make one decision. If it was somebody that was a Democrat and shared their political views, they'd pick a very different decision. So the cases sound similar. I think you do have to differentiate the federal one, so the two House committees and the district attorney. I think the district attorney one, the Supreme Court's going to realize that's a dangerous road to go down. You, you start letting state and local officials do these investigations of a president while they're in office. doesn't prevent them from doing it when they're out of office, but while they're in office, that is not what the founders intended to occur with the power of the presidency while you're in office. So that's that issue. The House issue becomes stronger and stronger if they have a legitimate uh, interest. What are they investigating? And they've had an issue here because they moved forward with their impeachment. And when they gave the, even when they gave the articles over ultimately to the Senate, that kind of was over. So what, what now? I mean, they're going to have to make a, a good case to the Supreme Court about what is this tied to. You can't just get the info. You've got to explain to us why you need these specific tax returns for what legitimate legislative purpose. And while the courts have been kind of all over the place, remember, a lot of candidates have just released this, so it hasn't really become an issue. It's tough to predict exactly on the federal side, but I do think of all presidents, because he hasn't released them, and because they, they have not really made a good showing of why they need them for, other than the fact that they just don't like this president. Uh, listen, I, feel, I feel good about both cases, and I think ultimately, uh, again, it's more about harassing the president. Neither one of these are going to decide if someone votes for the president or not. Uh, it's about trying to harass the president so he's not focused on his campaign. He's not focused on running right. the government. Stay right there. Jordan Seculo. Stay right there. i got to take a break. More with Jordan Seculo. We're in New Hampshire today. Uh, in light of the New Hampshire primary tomorrow, he is the executive director of the American Center for Law and Justice. Uh, we'll talk about the Bolton question that seemingly is on the minds of every psychotic hate Trump, rage Trump, Trump derangement syndrome Democrat led by the compromised congenital liar himself, who's the one guy that actually should have to testify and answer some real questions in this case, along with Joe and Hunter and the uh, hearsay whistleblower. Continue. Jordan Sekulow with us, executive director, American uh, Center for Law and Justice. All right, let's assume for a minute that John Bolton is going to say that he heard Donald Trump say, I'm not giving Ukraine a penny unless... They investigate quid pro quo Joe and zero experience Hunter. And unless they get to the bottom of election interference as chronicled by Politico January 11, 2017 in a Ukrainian court. Let's say he said that. Number one, he didn't do it. Uh, the four facts never change. Number two, isn't there a prima facie case with Joe Biden bragging you're not getting the billion unless you fire the prosecutor investigating my zero experience son being paid millions? Uh doesn't he have a, an oath and he's faithfully executing the laws of the land? We've got 40 seconds. Absolutely. I think that this Bolton thing, first of all, if you actually read the New York Times, they were careful. And it, you notice these leaks have stopped since the impeachment trial uh, of, the, of the supposed book transcript. But, Sean, they said the president preferred. Preferred was a word that they used in that article. 
that's that's really even John Bolton, I think, protecting what he was going to say. He was unwilling to sub- submit an affidavit to the uh, House Democrat managers during the impeachment trial. I think, you know, whatever they try to do, if they try to subpoena him in the House or whatever, we haven't even gone through executive privilege there, immunity there, long legal battle. And uh, if they want to take that on, you know, again, more presidential harassment, fine. But at the same time, we'll be ready to go to defend the president. So will the White House counsel. All right, Jordan Seculo, thank you for being with us. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of this extravaganza when we come back. Final hour free for all. We'll get to your calls straight ahead as we continue from New Hampshire. Everyone's like trying to guess now what it is I'm, I'm hoping to do while I'm here. From New Hampshire, in light of the New Hampshire primary, it's the Sean Hannity Show. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, from New Hampshire. This is incredible. Really incredible. Thank you to the Academy for this honor of honors. They told me I only have 45 seconds up here, which is 45 seconds more than the Senate gave John Bolton this week. I'm thinking maybe Quentin does a movie about it. In the end, the adults do the right thing. All right, 25 now to the uh, top of the hour. 800 941 Sean, our number. We are in the great live free or die state of New Hampshire. The primary tomorrow. The president has a uh, rally going on tonight. We have a special secret Hannity operation underway even now as we speak. We'll let you know by uh, well, TV time tonight how well it goes. Um, you know, it's amazing. You know, I, I listen to Brad Pitt. And I don't even think he's that good an actor. Fight Club was okay. I mean, and it's like, you're so stupid that he knows nothing about the Constitution. Because they didn't even subpoena Bolton in the, in the House of Representatives. And nor were they willing to allow remedy uh, Mr. Brad Pitt, you know, I guess, what did they call him? Man of the year, best looking guy of the year. You know, I'm like, you're so dumb because it's not read your constitution. All you people in Hollywood, I, I don't know what the ratings were, but I'm sure it was a disaster. I could not stand watching the pregame show or the show. So I stopped watching all of it. You are, you're so pompous. And, and so narcissistic, you people out there in Hollywood. Nobody cares what you think. The, the golden age of Hollywood is done, dead, buried. And with now the advancement of what? We got Hulu. We got Amazon Prime. We got Netflix. You know what that means? We don't need any of you people in Hollywood anymore. You have more independent movie producers than ever before. And most people actually prefer to watch and order movies from the convenience of their own homes. And they can do it rather easily. Or you can just watch the YouTube channel and put it up on your TV set. So the idea, now, if you knew something about the Constitution, you would know it's the sole power of the House of Representatives to impeach a president. Your liberal lunatic friends in the House, led by, you know, Nancy Pelosi, Petty Pelosi, speaker in name only, and the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar, Adam Schiff, they're the ones that push this whole thing. You would know that they never subpoenaed Bolton. Really quickly. It is not the job constitutionally of the Senate to do the House's sole response, constitutional responsibility. What? I found the ratings. What is it? It's the lowest of all time. Lowest of all time. 23.6 million. I can't even believe they got 23 million people. That's probably people just being curious. They probably just had it on in the background while they were vacuuming. No, That's I, what I, I do. I, they turned it on for the shift show. Maybe they were too tired to get up and change the channel and they couldn't find the remote. Donald Trump, oh, he trumps all of Hollywood. 
Yes, with a State of the Union address. It's ridiculous. Anyways. So I, I just listen. I think, yo, they're so, you're so dumb. You just, uh, it's unbelievable. And you're not a good actor. With all due respect, I don't think he's a good actor. I mean, he doesn't do it for me. Doesn't he, do it for me either. You, you know, know yeah. he, he looks like he could fit into my jeans. That's not my kind of thing. So now is he back with Jennifer Aniston? Is that the deal? Oh, God help her. I hope not. You already did it once, honey. Don't go back for more. Don't go back for more. Don't go back. Move then on. Then it was Brad, Bradgelina, whatever they called the, the, the duo. Yeah, well, you know. They um, made a bad movie together, so they fell in love. Isn't that what happens? Yeah. You know what uh, Ronald Reagan, when he was an actor, called the first lady-itis? You do a movie with a woman and you, you get yeah, emotionally... You, fall, you get emotionally attached because, you, you know, especially if you do that, what is that called? Method acting? When you actually become the character? I No. L- listen. What? I, I don't care what anybody says. Tell me. So they have all these scenes, you make it out with, you know, yeah. act, oh, no, it, there's no feeling there's towards no, it at all. Give me a break. Like, give me a break. That's such a lie. Yeah. I want to be in that room. I want, yeah. Oh, no, I'm not. How, how many but, NDAs did those honestly, people sign? Honestly, if you knew how technical it was and oh, yeah. and somebody directing you to move your foot over here you know, and your I hand over here, and I'm like, you're full of crap. Stop I, lying to us. It's not that different from the real thing. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think when you're telling somebody, when somebody outside is watching two of you, then... I, I could see that getting weird. I, I don't know. Maybe. You know, you know, like I watched, for example, and we talked about this last week, the Super Bowl halftime show, and I thought the athleticism of both Shakira Every man and in America J-Lo. was talking about the athleticism. No, no, no. Absolutely. Okay. You, you, <laughs> it, you, you have to be in phenomenal shape. Look at that athletic capability, okay. son. <laughs> now, we watch football players. We admire, you know, how great they are. Great quarterbacks, great receivers, sure. great playmaking. That's Every a, time I say Tom Brady, I'm like, like, oh, Tom, you are so talented and in great shape. Okay, up until last week, you didn't even know how many points you got in a touchdown. I don't know them this week either. All right, how, all right if you get a touchdown, how many points you get? I r- truly don't know, nor oh, do I care. You don't know and you don't care. No. So why am I asking you anything about football except to entertain this audience that is sitting there saying... How is it possible that a woman with two master's degrees Listen, has no clue how many points you get in a touchdown? Because they were in business and music. Unbelievable. All right, let's get to the phones before I have a heart attack here in New Hampshire. I can't believe I you're not talking about SNL. That was funny. Well, what part of it? I mean, all of it. I mean, not for nothing. I mean, when <laughs> Jason Sudeikis says, I'm like Biden. I know I had a rough time in Iowa, but I'll creep up from behind you and give you a kiss in the neck in New Hampshire. I almost <laughs> fell over. I was like, that was pretty funny. When they start breaking on Biden on themselves, you know, it's just, oh, uh, it's just priceless. priceless. I, what, the best part was when they had the, oh, take a look at the soon to be MSDNC. Oh, the MSB, MSNBC DNC contributors. contributors. Oh, it's classic. That's probably all true. No, it is true. They'll all be working over there. Well, half of them will be a fake news CNN. And welcome to the Democratic Debate. I'm George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> and joining me for optics is Lindsey Davis and David Muir. Thank you. Wow, what a week it has been for American politics. Iowa was a disaster. President Trump has gone super Saiyan since his acquittal. And now it's up to New Hampshire to start turning things Things around for the Democrats. So let's meet our future MSNBC contributors. All right, let's get to our phones. All right, in believe it or not, it's coming and it's coming very quickly. In all, oh, just a few short days, 267, we will be looking at the all important state of Ohio. Uh, Lou is standing by. Lou, no Republican has ever made it to the White House without winning 
the Buckeye State, and we will be watching closely in 267 days. That's why we rock out here. Prayers for you and prayers for Rush. We're getting back. Thank you. And um, I just want, there's a rally tonight. I would like you and your listeners to take a look at the demographic in those audiences. I went to the uh, rally in Toledo, walked out with a 30-year-old, and he goes, boy, did I feel old here tonight. Because of all the young kids, they're going to these rallies, and they're connecting with this president. They're hooting and hollering with him. And for one thing, I think these kids, there's more kids going to career tech schools, community colleges, coming out with, with $50,000, $60,000 jobs in this state. And their, and their counterparts that they graduated from high school with aren't out of college, and they're going to have a big debt, and these kids are already buying houses. And they want to hang on to their money. No it's amazing what's happening, too. Um, now, uh, our friend Miranda Devine, she writes for the New York Post, very, very good writer, points out that the president's approval rating with non-white voters, again, everything's broken down demographically, is now soaring above 28%. The president now is well around the 25% approval rating with African-Americans and about 38% with Hispanic-Americans. And the reason is he's delivering results. That is, to me, uh, that is a game-changer. Now, you have one record after another record after another record, the president's approval rating uh, with, with job creation for minority groups in this country. The president went to North Carolina last Friday. And he's talking about opportunity zones uh, to lift underserved communities across the nation and create the tax cuts in the business environment, whereby opportunities that could be a revitalization in a lot of areas. And that's what he talked about as well uh, in the communities that need the most help, which is smart. Now, we also added another 225,000 jobs in January, far beyond expectations yet again. Economic confidence is at the highest point now, in literally 20-plus years, the, the record that the president laid out in his State of the Union the other night was unbelievable. For the first time in our country's history, at least in the history of Gallup polling, polling the mood of the nation, 59% of people believe we are now better off, higher than when Reagan made his uh, economy a campaign rallying cry. Trump now has the highest economic approval rating of any president in 20 plus years. 67% of Americans CBS News polls say the economy is, you know, either very or somewhat good. That means, you know, that these are really high numbers. Now, what did we get in the Obama Biden years? Well, we know the record. It was atrocious. And that was 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. So the people of Ohio are doing great. Thank God. The people in Pennsylvania are doing great. This $220 billion deal with China alone in two years is going to help American farmers, the American service sector, uh, the American uh, manufacturing sector. Uh, it's going to help the energy sector, and it's going to help our, our uh, automotive uh, sector as well, car manufacturers. You know what? That means our fellow Americans are working. Thank God. Opportunity. That means, oh, I get to buy my new F-150. Oh, I get to buy a nicer house in a safer neighborhood with better schools. Great. Oh, I get to go on vacation. Oh, my kids have been wanting to go to Disney for the last five years. Now I can take them. You're going to be miserable, but they'll like it. Um, 
Anyway, Lou, thank you. Good points. Uh, all right, another swing state. This one, Florida. Jerry standing by. Jerry, hi, how are you? Welcome to the live free or die state of New Hampshire. What's going on? Hi there, Sean. I, I've been uh, hoping to talk to you about this. Um, I'm really concerned most about the, the ruling class atmosphere in uh, the United States right now. And people like uh, Schiff and uh, Nablus, uh, and uh, no, I didn't mispronounce his name. I think Nablus is a better interpretation of how, how his name should be. But um, We just call him Nutty Nadler because he's a nut. Yeah, well, uh, Petty Pelosi, I, I Nutty think, Nadler, think, the congenital corrupt compromise uh, liar Schiff. Yeah, we got them all. Right. I think they need to. I, I think if there's equal justice under the law, then they should be held up for sedition and a conspiracy to overthrow this government. Because I believe what they were doing was trying to usurp the power of the executive branch, and they even tried to usurp the power of the Senate itself. And I, I think that they, they're the ones that claim that they're upholding the Constitution and they're, everything they do, they claim is for their checks and powers and whatnot. But they're the ones that are abusing power and, you know, and tie it on in with the ruling class thing or the sanctuary cities, you know, go into that as well, where they don't think that they have to live up to the laws of our nation. But if we don't, if we as the people, don't go along with everything they say, you know, heaven help us. You know, they're going to uh, come after us with, you know, people with badges and guns. But it's all because I believe the Democrats, they want more power over our lives. And Trump is proving that he wants more people to have power over their own lives. And but we need to stop this by he needs to have his people go after these uh, corrupt congressional Democrats and hold them accountable and pull them up for charges because they need to be, because I believe it is truly sedition and sedition's worst. I'm just going to tell you something, not doing anything for the American people is not a good political campaign strategy. Uh, you know, it's funny the, the words of Van Jones echoed in my mind when he said about Democrats that they've been overlooking, and, by, and this is an understatement. This is a guy that on election night 2016 said, this is a white lash, what happened in America. Now he's saying about Democrats that they have been overlooking black voters engaging in three years of fantasy football politics with Mueller and impeachment. And not only Bill Maher is saying the same thing. The president's delivering, I always said, the forgotten men and women, because in the Obama-Biden years, the people that were disproportionately impacted the worst were minorities in America. In America, And they, you know what? They're the ones doing the best under Donald Trump's economic policies. All right, from New Hampshire, that's going to wrap things up for us today. We'll see if our little experiment works out. Uh, we'll be reporting tonight from New Hampshire, back here tomorrow from New Hampshire. Uh, Lawrence at the Trump rally. The crowd is massive. Ari Fleischer, Reince Priebus. Uh, also, Jason Chaffetz, Dan Bongino, Bernard Carrick is going to be on tonight. Bill Hammer at the Big Board, Tulsi Gabbard tonight. Uh, we'll check in with her and all the news the mob and the media won't give you. We'll see you tonight at 9 from New Hampshire, back here tomorrow. Live free or die. 267 days till Election Day.